0: be able to come and seek your help in the word that's being read and ministered and our response to it. May we find it clearly, presented faithfully and relevantly. May we be able to engage it with your spirit. May you be honored in this time so that whether it is now or throughout our lives, you might receive the praise along with the Son and Spirit, the one only God. We'd ask that you'd hear us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16, uh, carrying on in our focus on a couple different chapters in the gospel according to Luke. We've looked at Luke chapter 4, we're into Luke chapter 5, and we're considering the cleansing of a leper in verses 12 through 16 of Luke 5. So here's God's word to us from there. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad, Great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So we do thank the Lord for his word. May it be a blessing to us in this morning hour. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, I would imagine there's times, whether we're boys and girls or whether we're older, that we know what it's been like for us to look at things from the outside, looking in. Maybe the boys and girls have something new to hear for them to be on the outside, looking in. But you could easily experience that at times. You could be well. Let's say you were on a vacation with your with your parents, and you walk by a restaurant. You're very hungry, and uh, but uh, and you see people eating and. Uh, but it's not time for you to eat, but you look over there and you think, oh my, I wish I could go in there, but either because you got other plans or uh, it's it's not the time to be eating yet, all you can do is look in, but not enjoy what's going on. Or if you wanted to go to an amusement park or to a ball game or to a party, but you weren't invited or you don't have the money to go, and you see the good times that these people are having on the inside, and there you are on the outside, and you can't enjoy it. You're on the outside looking in. Well, these uh, when, you, when it came to, to lepers in the Bible days, in biblical days, or those who had these really bad skin diseases, that's how they were like. They were on the outside looking in. They were on the outside looking in to things that were important to be a part of being in communion with God, and being in communion with other people who were the people of God. They were on the outside looking in. They weren't allowed into those fellowships because they were lepers. They were considered unclean. And since it wasn't a disease that people could cure, the only way that that could ever be rectified was if God rectified it, if God cured them. God would have to make them clean. And that's exactly what God does in this passage uh, through his son Jesus Christ, the leper, or to the leper, I should say. He makes it so he no longer is unclean, he's no longer on the outside looking in. And that was something very important for this leper because now he could be in communion with God and in fellowship with his people. But we don't have to be leopards to, lepers, <laughs> lepers to be on the outside looking in. There isn't one of us that doesn't need to see the importance of being on the inside when it comes to communion with God <laughs> and communion with his people. That is so often in our culture, and it's a temptation for us to put down way at the bottom of the totem pole, so to speak. But as with the leper, it's only the grace and power of Jesus that will make that happen. And that's one of the things that we're going to be focusing on this morning as we consider the cleansing power of Jesus. We're looking at his compassion here, his command, and his constraint. We see the compassion of the Lord. Most of the time when you read about lepers in the Bible, they're associated with judgment. Uh, It's certainly indicated by way of Scripture that such people are considered unclean, unfit, for being in the holy presence of the Lord ceremonially. And because of that, they were required to remain outside the camp of Israel, and later on it would appear that to to see them in towns like we read about here, that as he was in one of the cities, that would have been a very unusual thing to see, because they were required to stay away from the fellowship. Not so much for physical reasons, though that certainly was true because it was contagious diseases here, but also for spiritual reasons because they were considered ceremonially and really, in, in, in a sense, hopelessly unclean. The problem was that leprosy was considered incurable except by God. You know, in 2 Kings 5, we read about right, the Aramean king who sends Naaman, some of you have heard about Naaman. And yeah, The boys and girls, have, have. I know some of you boys and girls have heard the story about Naaman. And he was brought to Israel's king so that he could be cured of his leprosy. And the king of Israel said, am I God? Am I God that I can kill and make alive? That the Aramean king brings a man to me to heal him of leprosy. Now, indeed, the reference to life and death was appropriate because lepers were to go about like mourners. They were to be saying, unclean, unclean, according to Leviticus 13.44. They were as good as dead. They were the walking dead who were not permitted into the presence of God, the God of life. Death and uncleanness were not to dwell with life and holiness that way. And yet here, uncleanness encounters the very one that we read here in Luke is called the Holy One of God, right? The demon said, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Uncleanness encounters the ultimate Holy One. And as was the case with Peter and Jesus, how could the two commune this way? Remember last week when we heard about Peter saying, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinner. Indeed, Luke says, lo and behold, here is a leper as Jesus is going through the town. And and with such a a contrast that's laid out here, it isn't surprising then that the one who is ceremonially unclean, unable to be in the presence of holiness, would now bow down with his face to the ground because he recognizes his uncleanness and unworthiness and he begs for the mercy of. This is ultimate humility, or ultra-humility. He was the one who could make him clean, the only one who could do it. And you notice that he doesn't demand it of Jesus, right? The, the, The way in which that's stated points that out. He says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He's and 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 he's and he's not he's not doubting his ability. Jesus isn't under any obligation to do this, but the but the leper just wonders if Jesus could look upon someone like him and grant him such grace. That's what he's looking for. If you're willing, he's begging. you. And Jesus says, I'm willing be clean. And immediately he's cleansed. It's not like these modern day faith healers who you think, why don't they go and clear out hospitals if they have this ability, right? To cleanse everyone. No, he, immediately he's cleansed. Now, what a person should gain from this, of course, that is not to to go out and try to heal the world that way. That's not the point. The point here, what this does teach us, is the very thing this conversation's all about. Jesus cleanses, like nobody else can, as the divine Son of God, and he brings life from death, and he's willing to do that as the Christ who has come to usher in a new order of things. It's all about the jubilee again. It's all about the transformation. It's all about the change. He's making what was unclean, clean. And that ability to cleanse is the answer to our own unworthiness and failures and sin and spiritual filth and is the only reason we can commune with Christ today. Humbly, we see our problem, at least we ought. We ought. Humbly, we see Christ as the answer to that problem. We are not to be much different at all from what we see with this leper. We must hear these words just like Peter had to hear those words, and we needed to hear the word directed toward Peter and the leper. Don't be afraid, I'm willing. Be cleansed. You know I'm able. You also need to know I'm willing. As a father is both able and, and willing, right? We often think about that in terms of the heavenly father. He's able to do so, uh, and he's willing to do so to be this kind of father to us. Well, in in terms of how he treats us as his children in Christ. But that's how we have to look at the son too, don't we? that he's able and he's willing to cleanse us from our sin by his cleansing work, no matter who we are, whether we're leper, Gentile, or whoever. And now we can commune with him. Which, of course, is what we're reminded and assured of here this morning. Christ touched the leper. You know, you weren't supposed to touch the the unclean. Leviticus 7.21 says that. That as the Holy One of God, it is not the unclean that has power over Him. We often think about how bad company can corrupt good character, right? But that doesn't happen to Christ. It's not the unclean that has the power over Him, and we need to remember that in our day. It is He who has the power over the unclean. It is he who has the power to change the unclean. It's what we're all to have confessed. That This is what he did for us. That he came to give power to us so that we might be turned from uncleanness to cleanness. So we see the tremendous compassion here of the Christ, but we also see his commandment, right? Go to the priest. And that tells us something about the leprosy, it tells us something about the time, it tells us something about the Lord. When when told to go to the priest, the leper was being directed in accordance with with Leviticus 14. He'd be called to take two birds, one that had to be killed and one that would be set free. And the killing of the bird would be a sign of a removal of the former life. And the freeing of the second bird would be to show that he has been liberated from that old life. That's what has happened to this leper. This is what happens when Christ changes people. And then he would be daubed with oil and blood from offerings given. And that, in that stage, according to Leviticus 14:17, full communion with God would be established. And the leper would go from being on the outside looking in to being in communion with God and his people, which he should have seen, which he did see, no doubt, as being the most important thing in his life. To be in communion with God and to be in communion with his people. I mean, We think a lot of things are important in life. But this is what the leper was missing. He couldn't be in communion with God and he couldn't be in communion with his people and now he could be. And that was most precious. Not everybody sees it that way. But that was the Old Testament way of dealing with that. And it's it's very likely that this has never happened before. We never hear in the scriptures We hear about Naaman, but we don't hear about Naaman going to the priest or anything of that. He gets healed of leprosy, but, but otherwise we never hear of them. But in any case, it pointed to the importance of being in communion with God and His people. It's something that we're to value, that we're to prioritize, that we're to appreciate, that we're to praise God for. I know of which we're being reminded and assured of today is important, and is ours to know in Christ. But there's more here in that when he would go there, he says it would be a proof or it would be a testimony about what God has done through his Son. It would be a sign, a proof of his power, of his willingness, of his love, of his righteousness. And it's still that way for us today, isn't it? I mean, this would help to show what Christ has come to usher in so that when we get up in the morning, we realize what a good thing it is to be able to live for Christ and to know Christ. It would help to show that the year of the Lord's favor had come, that Jubilee had arrived in the coming of Christ, that that very thing that John was worried about later on in Luke, That Jesus maybe wasn't the one that was to be expected. And what does Jesus tell John's disciples? He says, among other things, that the lepers are cleansed. Chapter 7, verse 22. Well, who else could do that but the person who was going to bring about Jubilee? Who else could do that except the Christ? And because of that testimony, we too can rejoice in what God has done through this anointed one. If the healing of the leper was a sign of jubilee, of God's kingdom coming in power and compassion and love and direction, of a new order arising, of restoration, of love, then how much more the cross, how much more the ascension of the Lord who reigns in heaven above, the testimony, The proof that we need to know that to face each new day with faith, hope, and love into eternity is worth it. But this command also points to the time in which Jesus was living, in which he had to show constraint because he says, tell nobody. Just go to the priest. Jesus was was going to replace the priest, of course, on a permanent scale. The blood of the birds or the lambs were all pointing to him but it was not quite the time for his blood to be shed in that fulfilling way presenting this leper to the priest was also a testimony to the priest that Jesus was righteous in every way righteous in every way and in his righteousness he knew the times he didn't he didn't run ahead of god Righteousness was more important to him than getting what he wanted. Presenting the leper to the priest is a testimony to the priest that Jesus is righteous in every way. He kept the law like nobody else. He was the obedient one. And because of that righteousness, that's why Pilate would have to say later on in chapter 23, I find no fault in this man. And because of that righteousness, the thief on the cross would say, we're receiving the reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. That's in chapter 23, verse 42. And because of that righteousness, the the centurion could say in testimony, surely he was a righteous man. Chapter 23, verse 47. It showed that, that for Jesus... Righteousness always came first. The end didn't justify the means. Jesus was not a pragmatist. Jesus was a principled person. He would submit obediently to the timing of his father. Tell nobody. Go to the priest. That's what you need to do. It's tempting to run ahead of God, isn't it? To get what we want apart from being obedient and patient and when people do that they, they cause themselves a mess don't they they've got this goal in mind and by hook or by crook they're going to get it because that's all that matters that's all that matters to them doesn't matter how you get it you just do what you want To get what you want, and yeah, obedience will work fine. But if disobedience works, that's fine too. That was not Jesus' problem. He always submitted to God's timing in obedience. He sought God's kingdom first, and in that righteousness, of course, we're found justified through faith in Him. Right, His righteousness becomes us. And it's in that righteousness that we must continue to trust as Jesus sits on the right hand of God and the power of God directing our life, believing that Jesus always does the right thing, that He's always interceding for us. He's always looking out for us. He always is looking out for our best. We've got to cling to that because He's just as righteous In heaven above, today, as he was before the cross and at the cross. And so we have to rest on the belief that he's never leaving us nor forsaking us, which is what this communion supper seeks to remind us and assure us, doesn't it? That he is in communion with us. That he is with us always till the close of the age. He hasn't left us behind when we put our trust in him. His constraint and his timing is also seen in the fact that the leper was not to tell anybody. Let let the cleansing testify. Let that be the proof. But, But don't tell anybody. Not now. That was certainly a different time than now, of course. Because now is not only not a time for you to be wondering whether Christ is with you, but it is also a time for you to be telling other people that He is. And that you can tell people what the Lord has done for you. Now's a different time. And our zeal today can't be deemed misguided if we speak to people about the power and the compassion and the righteousness of Jesus Christ for us. See, not just so that we get over the idea that is Christ really there, but to get beyond that and to say to people, let me tell you how Christ has been there for me. That's important. That's if we've known that in our lives. Nevertheless, the word spread about Jesus, and people came out to hear him and to be healed, but but evidently that wasn't Jesus' desire. Don't tell anybody. Now, Jesus could have been concerned about nationalism or, or some unhealthy enthusiasm or misguided zeal. Jesus' words here were evident that he was not doing, as his opponents would say later, he's stirring up the people. He was not stirring up the people. He's teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, even to the seat of Pilate. Jesus had not come as a robber. He didn't come to cause political rebellion. He didn't come to stir up the people. He is not that kind of a revolutionary. He's a changer, but not that kind. Nor does he call his people to be that way today in in some militant fashion. He didn't want that kind of fanfare. He would be exalted and he'd be vindicated in the Father's Father's time. Not now. It's a good lesson of humility for all of us who are called to his likeness, isn't it? People came to him, but, but he would no longer make it a point to take his words and deeds to the people in such a way that anybody would accuse him of stirring up the people. The humble servant of the Lord would constrain himself and would control himself, and he wouldn't seek the applause of people who are seen, but the favor and the will of the Father who is not seen. That's a great way to live, isn't it? Constrains himself, and he controls himself, and he seeks not the applause of people who are seen, but the favor and the will of the Father who is not seen. He would ask and receive. He would seek and find. He would knock and have the door open. He would pray. And remarkable that that if the Son of God saw the need to persist in prayer and to do so where the world would not see because he would go to desolate places, how much more we who need the Father's help every single day. In the press of our lives, in the crises of our lives, we cannot afford to seek the time for prayer. We need it even more. And if we think we're too busy to pray, we've got to turn that attitude around, right? To say, we're too busy not to pray. cleansing work of Christ, my friends, we see his compassion, gracious and holy, willing and able, how blessed to know that kind of a a savior. We see his command and it points to his lordship, but it also testifies to a righteousness and a love like nobody else, which we must find our hope and trust, believing that he always has our good in mind. And we see his constraint to have things done at the proper time. In the proper way. Doesn't run ahead of his father. He doesn't take the pragmatic approach. Because the day would come for his exaltation. The day would come for his vindication. The day would come for his word to spread. But but not before the servant of the Lord would would serve and seek his father as he was called to do that. And on this communion Sunday. We're called to humility in the Christ who alone can cleanse us so that we can be in communion with Him. Called to humility in submitting to His commands. To, to do things like Christ at the right time and the right way. Called to appreciate the communion we can have with God and the need for that of having communion with His people. called to humbly declare Christ and not ourselves to think life is all about trumpeting ourselves rather than the Christ for what he alone could do for us I'm called to, f- to follow his humility in a life that cannot be lived without seeking God's help and May this be a morning of joyous humility because we believe, because we believe that Christ has cleansed us. And that we're being reminded and assured of that in the communion supper this morning. Amen. Let's take a few.